0: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the eastern border. This time, we're gonna talk about kids. very specific kids. Unarmia kids. See, these are technically the successors of the Soviet Union's pioneer organization, except these are related to modern Russia. Nothing to do with the cadets, which are just military professional schools for teenagers. This is somewhat different organization, although, well... As you can tell from the name itself, Yunarmia, or the Army of Youth, it's um, still pretty militaristic. We'll delve into the history and the meaning of all this whole project, and we'll look at the weirdest aspects of its existence and how it came to be and everything like that. And the meaning of it up until today. Before we start, though, I would like to still recommend anyone who enjoys the show to visit our homepage, the and if you want to support us, you can click on the donate button there, or you can go to rusensoft.com, who still continue to talk and work with us, and, well, click on the banner there on our homepage and get a 10% discount for all your Soviet souvenir needs, or, you know, you can just uh, email us and, and send us some support, Or become a Patreon and email us anyway, because then once I get out of this farm, which I'm pretty used to at this point, it's been a month, and, uh, well, I feel physically stronger and healthier, which just kind of shows that (laughs) this whole everyday hard work thing works just as well as a gym. Yeah, uh, once I get out of this, I'll be back to sending souvenirs to our listeners. Just wanted to get this out there before we get on with the show so that we wouldn't have to stress you out at the end or something like that. Um, Also, uh, if anyone listens to this in the United States, and, well, most of our listeners do, please just email me and tell me what exactly am I advertising there, because I know that Acast, the company that hosts us on Stitcher and iTunes and Spotify and wherever, yeah, they run these advertisement campaigns where they would... Put some ad reels in the beginning, or the middle, or the end of our show. They have these various points where they, where they put in their ads in, and I have no control over them. And if you want to listen to our show ad free, then you can go to our homepage and listen there. But the ads are ads. So if you want to support the show that way, then please, please do listen to the ad advertised version as well. But I just like to know what exactly am I advertising because I'm in Latvia and I have no idea. So. I know that I've advertised Reuters at some point in a ski resort, but I really have no clue. Maybe I'm running Audible or something of that sort. Still, no way to tell. Just for the statistics and for curiosity's sake, uh, if if you could let us know, well then, please do. But now, let's get on with the show. The development of various sorts of youngsters in political groups has been very popular in Russian society since the Soviet period, really, and it was reignited once again after Mr. Putin, our old buddy, was elected president in the year 2000. Since then, such organizations have taken shape, well, basically depending on the government's current social and political needs, but they also share a set of core principles an allegiance either to the Russian president or the government more broadly. These movements are often assembled to face real or perceived threats to Kremlin and the Moscow political forces, and there have been roughly, approximately, four different waves marketing them to various social groups and and various kind of youth combinations, You've, since Putin's first term. And when I say that I mean well, various groups of interest and well, various social strata of teenagers and and kids and whatnot. And while earlier groups, such as Moving Together, Idushi and Nashi Yeah, Nasha literally means ours, Well, and that group has been, you know, discredited politically because one of their founders moved away to Germany and denounced his Russian citizenship because they turned out to be a pretty bad place where um, literally local criminal organizations infiltrated and do. Yeah, that's a study for another day, by the way. Yeah, well, these whole things focused on the ability to rally young folks as counter-protesters to a possible so-called colored revolution... More color revolution, you know, the, that's how uh, Russia calls all the revolutions that just happened in Ukraine and other surrounding nations and whatnot, all these, you know, Ukraine had their orange revolution, and then people started just using various color names for their own kind of political upheavals, so they just got the name of various color revolutions. Basically, various artistic groups have also stepped forth to popularize events such as, well... Annexation of Crimea in 2014. And, well, on the riding of this new wave of um, these patriotic youth groups, patriotic and massive air quotes, this new group, UNARMIA, the Young Army Cadets National Movement, which actually has nothing to do with cadet schools, which is surprising. This was founded in 2015, very militant, and they promote values associated with military service, and the continuation of traditions honoring Russians who served in past conflicts. That's from their official site. And Unarmia draws its roots from a very, you know, turbulent period for all this situation, because they were formed in 2015, and that's just a year after the whole annexation of Crimea and all the war in Donbass. And due to the fact that they basically set themselves apart from all the rest of the world and everything because of how the sanctions happened, the Russian government used this to their own benefit. The Russian government, at this point, in 2015, could blame the West for, <clears throat> quote, undermining Russian success and attempt to turn its people against cooperation with foreign nations. So they um printed out their own version of traditional Russian values, traditional in air quotes here, because... They have very little in common with the Pioneers or these other two organizations. And they decided that the national identity of Russian people should be more intertwined with the government. And uh, they have been using both social media and everything and using this unanimity with various weapons and everything to basically advance their own agendas and whatnot. They've been using this to prop up Putin's government and they've been using this to further ends. However, it is a bit more scary, you know, because these guys are also the ones posing for various Victory Day calendars, posing and being portrayed as either wounded soldiers or soldiers with lots of machine guns, and when you see a seven-year-old kid with a machine gun in a military uniform, yeah, that's that's kind of scary. And uh, although Putin's party, United Russia, has enjoyed the majority of power of government since 2000, There's a range of political parties present in Duma and regional governments, which also encourage youth participation. The People's Freedom Party, which, um, as you can tell from the name, because anything with the name Peoples in it usually has secondary meaning whenever you apply other words to it. So in this case, the People's Freedom Party is um, usually not the case, although they are an opposition party, but, well, you know, how that goes now and then. These guys, in their periods of Massive activity. Yeah, they also had a youth participation, which had taken various paths. Then at one point, a whole youth organization united behind the leadership of the party official Mikhail Kasyanov, but the movement dropped off in 2012, while the party underwent transformations in membership and structure. Now, the Russian United Democratic Party, Yabloko, which also have gotten a lot of bad press because they were actually opposition, but they got smashed really hard. They used to be an independent political party, now they're turning to be one of those sanctioned opposition ones. Yeah, these guys appear to be among the best organized opposition parties in regard to youth involvement in recent years, with its Yabloko youth. Yabloko youth firmly enjoyed a more centralized core to their organization, but recently the more active groups have been basically regional branches in Moscow, St. Petersburg, and other large cities. I'm telling you this because um, these guys are kind of to be compared with the Unanimian guys. The Yabloko Youth Organization clearly states on its webpage that it stands against quote, aggressive foreign policy, military conscription, Bolshevism, Stalinism, media censorship, nationalism, and religious fundamentalism in any form, and more of various other such things. They're basically very liberal. Members of this group campaign for the protection of people's constitutional rights, the repeal of oppressive laws, a move away from authoritarianism, and the separation of business from government. So, yeah. They're kind of, um and this other organization, just wanted to point out the fact that even though I'm talking about how Putin uses various youngsters for political gains, he's not the only one, although recently there has been a massive discussion about how, well, Navalny had called people for the protests against corruption and whatnot, and well a bunch of teenagers because those are the people who use internet the most in russia had gone out on the streets and the russian government had made a huge deal about using well kids and teenagers and various other youngsters for political purposes although they themselves have this whole yunarmia thing which we're going to be talking about in detail in order to understand the political and social context in which modern russian youth are growing up there it's necessary to dispel some well weird opinions and preconceptions upon a lot of people who, well, consider themselves scholars and journalists in the West when speaking about the Eastern parts, often rely upon when considering youth agency and activism. Although, obviously, you can't remove all the biases that come with participation in your own society and your culture. Discussing Russia's historical background and political situation, it's kind of related to all these youngster groups, Yeah, that'll kind of help us with all the propaganda analysis as well. Because, you see, various youngsters are often the group that modern society looks toward when expecting change or, well, rebellion. And quite a lot of people find that this age group of teenagers are just unbearably idealistic. But, um, quoting... Paper by J.C. Goldsmith, which I'm using on this one, he apparently wrote a nice little master's degree thesis on this, which I then double-checked and used a bunch of Russian sources, but he writes that, quote, In the West, people can be proud of the change that such rebellion facilitates. When a Western viewpoint of youths in politics is applied universally, however, it can pose significant problems to scholarship on the matter. If academics apply Western social theory to other parts of the world, they will assume rationality from a standpoint that differs wildly from the reality of the society and cultures they are studying. End quote. So, it's kind of weird. In the case of these teenager political movements, if this specific part of the population doesn't really participate in a society deemed repressive or undemocratic in this manner that we would understand being reasonable or normal here in the EU or the United States, well, that could just frustrate a bunch of people. And that's kind of the, the mistake, that's kind of the thing which you have to wrap your mind around when studying the role of these kids in modern russian society in general this is where the whole of being a post Soviet person experience comes into play and all of this thing that happened with the fall of the USSR and everything and the pioneers organization it's not boy scouts and people want to treat it like boy scouts but it's totally not that and more from from goldsmith's work Beginning in the 19th century, youth in Europe became known as the demographic most heavily responsible for social change due to the establishment of new nations and various nationalist independence, unification, and republican movements. Transitioning into the early 20th century, aspects of youth that were considered vital included beauty, health, purity, energy, idealism, creativity, boldness, vision, as well as rebelliousness and openness to uncertainty and transformation. End quote. So, leading up to the Great War, the of all these nationalistic youth organizations and kind of this whole meandering and emphasis on the importance of the young people of society, yeah, that whole thing was on the rise. The romantic viewpoint that was quoted before, and that comes from um, my son Suhare and Stuart Tanak, Youth Rising, the Politics of Youth and the Global Economy, that according to the sources that I'm using here, is still a dominant narrative, which is still ingrained in the Western culture. However, this community involvement can take forms other than the service to the nation-state. Activities that benefit the community are more likely to positively involve various youngsters, and all this situation with the nation-state and patriotism and all that stuff played a bit different story in Russia. Where the society, as you can, well, probably tell, yeah, experienced a very different 20th century than either the US or Western Europe. In centuries previously to that one, citizenship was strongly linked to the defense of the nation and preservation of society from, well, various invading and bordering threats. And then the Soviet transition, first in Russia and later in Eastern Europe, kind of increased the whole, this emphasis of community responsibility. Young people were encouraged to take an active life position that included various forms of political and social engagement, as well as, you know, being thoroughly steeped in Soviet culture. During the Soviet period, there was little autonomy to, well, how various youngsters could participate in politics or society in general. In the Soviet Union and, well, that is satellite states, there was either strategic participation on the part of youth leaders, forced participation by the majority of young people, or voluntary escapism in informal youth subcultures. Svetlana Stevenson and Charles Walker note in their work on social change in the Soviet bloc that under socialism, practically every aspect of young people's lives had been structured by some form of state organization or agency, from their moral upbringing by the communist youth organization, the Komsomol, which had 40 million members at its peak, to the assignment of mandatory work placements through the distribution system. End quote. Similar to Western societies, school was obviously considered the most important agent of political socialization in the Soviet Union. Though membership of, in such groups as the Komsomol and Pioneers, for teens and young kids, respectively, students could be socialized in a way that ingrained a mindset of service to the nation and excluded from certain positions in society if you refuse to, you know, be one of the Lenin's personal grandchildren. And during this time, the USSR obviously organized new quote-unquote rituals to celebrate and define our national lifestyle and establish various milestones for the Soviet life. For example, frequent meetings with war veterans were intended to give students, quote, the feeling of historical continuity, to help them gain an idea of the sacrifices and suffering which have formed the older generation but cannot be directly relieved, end quote. A bunch of these groups put military influences upon young people, such as the Pioneers, a Communist Party group for young kids that basically had military uniforms and stood watch at monuments and learned how to spot NATO tanks. However, with all this social and political identity of Soviet kids and teens tied super closely to the state, the whole collapse thing meant devastating changes. Teens and everyone were basically isolated from politics after the Soviet collapse, and kind of victimized by the whole Russian reform process. Russian young people were often blamed for their lack of involvement in politics, as kind of a lack of local participation, considered to be a show of their ignorance of everything, but everything just had collapsed, and they really felt like You know, their parents felt like the involvement of kids into any such activities of, you know, government sponsored groups would be pretty bad. However, that all changed by, well, 2015. In the early 2014, you see, Russian aggression during the Euromaidan movement in Ukraine disturbed the whole geopolitical situation of, well, everything. After the unsuccessful so-called reset in relations between Russia and the United States in 2009, yeah, all this Donbass and Crimea stuff really contributed to the tension currently between Russia and, well, everyone in the West. And public attitudes toward, well, both groups and both sides have always been affected. We know that at this point. And all these kind of weird... ...things and, and and this upheaval that happened in Russia after the annexation of Crimea... ...yeah, that provided an opportunity for various political groups to seize upon these divisions... ...and increase support from their followers or to gain new adherence. And all of this... ...yeah, those were the beginnings for the unanimous story. Since Putin was first elected youth groups supporting either him or his administration and party, United Russia have taken shape to reflect desired responses to threats facing the government during the years they were active. Chronologically, these movements have been moving together, Nashi or ours, and smaller offshoots that came out of Nashi's fall and Unarmia. Each wave has incorporated the administration's political agenda and its founding while adapting to the successes and failures of previous groups in order to understand how the Russian public receives ideology, events, and media presence. Established in 2000, moving together supported Putin in his early stages of power, but lacked a cohesive set of values because of its, well, basic preoccupation of supporting him alone. They weren't really tied to any party. The movement also became a bit too unpredictable and controversial in its protests for many members of government to support it. Soon after Moving Together became defunct, its founder, Vasily Yakimenko, established Nashi in 2005, which could be considered a better-organized version of Moving Together. Nashi basically constituted a populist movement that prides itself on its ability to quickly rally large numbers of young people, if protests resembling the color revolutions of other nations, well, were to suddenly explode anywhere in the scene. Kremlin perceived the foreign revolutions as a threat and could not reassure itself that similar attempts would not be made against Kremlin itself. So, Nashi enjoyed roughly seven years of popularity before succumbing to various problems during the 2012 elections and scandals over bribing the media. A variety of smaller movements emerged from Nashi's fall, ranging from the militant group Stal, or Steel, and, well, as you can tell, obviously fans of Stalin, and a Literally, as they called themselves, and uh, as much as uh, it pains me to talk about this, uh, a traffic politeness group named Stop Hum to the hipster-luring film and artistic organization called Xieć Network. Yes, there was an organized traffic politeness group. Why? Because obviously there was one. In the wake of the annexation of Crimea, this whole network thing, which was a kind of film organization, they assisted in prolonging the event's popularity within Russia, and emphasizing its connection to Putin by attracting the support of educated young people through the promises of resources which, <clears throat> with which they could realize their patriotic creativity. And, well, yeah, these were the metaphorical shoes that Unanimia hopes to surpass, and kind of the shoes they have to fill. Unanimia Group appears to draw on some of these influences for theology, for ideology and strategy. Uh, well, I <laughs> guess you're going to call it theology at some point, but that's kind of a mishap of mine. As well as, obviously, incorporating the image of Soviet youth groups. And this is kind of the whole context thing. Having learned from its past experiences when sponsoring organizations like this, the Russian Ministry of Defense undoubtedly understands the need for a basically kind of coherent ideological base in order to build a successful, Putin-supporting youth movement. Hello
0: there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of the Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at russansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to rusensoft.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy.
1: Now, as you can probably imagine, Yunarmia which is already kind of a creepy name, I took a break for a cigarette while I was um I was recording this and uh, kind of when you think about it youth army thing, yeah it does not bring up the greatest associations if you think about it. Anyways, as you can imagine, this has been closely affiliated with the Russian state since its founding, and the Russian Ministry of Defense has been extremely happy to take the movement under its wing. In October 2015, Putin signed the 536th Russian presidential decree, which focuses on the creation of organizations that could shape the character of young Russians to match what the Russian government considered the country's official values. Although there was hesitation in the past to be closely tied to particular government officials after moving together as mistakes, Unarmia has been quick to embrace supervision. Sergei Shaigu, the Russian Minister of Defense, has remained closely involved with the growth and is credited by some sources as its founder. He denied accusations about the organization's role in attempts to militarize the Russian population, but did hint in 2016 that the movement carried a quote, long-term and important significance for Russians. End quote. Now, a lot of uh, the next stuff that comes here is basically me looking at Unanimous website and translating that into proper English, not using their own English version, because, oh boy, do the English and Russian versions differ. But, well, the most important part here is that uh, I have to know that, by all means, the Unanimous website is definitely not a trustworthy source for statistics or membership or the execution of events that it kind of adds and everything, because, well... It's tied to the nature of this group in general. You see, this whole thing, just as well, most other things uh, that Russian government runs makes propaganda one of its largest kind of strengths. And thus, the information shouldn't have to tell you, but um, just add a pinch of salt there, just just a pinch, okay? Because you're not making claim efficiency and a variety of successes, but well, it really kind of remains. Mired and, and swamps and whatnot.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare.
1: However, regardless of the reliability, the website itself was quite a great source of evaluating how they achieve their goals and whatnot, because, you know, hey, what better way to look at it than by looking at what they say about themselves. Russian kids involved in this moving together previously exhibited a variety of motivations when joining, including boredom and desire to use the resources available with the membership there. And, um uh, when reading unanimous texts or information from separate news outlets, it's quite important to remember that voluntary youth groups such as this cannot control their members and likely are not as strict or efficient as they claim or appear in media coverage. Because the group may, well, not be as large or efficient as they claim or appear in media coverage and, and, and have a insanely broad reaches as they claim, this is kind of, you know, their own internal struggles and how they like to portray themselves after all. Inarmya claims to have been founded under the cooperation of Val- Valery Vostrotin, Valentina Tereshkova, Svetlana Korokina, Artur Chiligranov, and the organizations of the... And this is a long one. All Russian Public Organization of Veterans of the Armed Forces of the Russian Federation. Or um, OO-O-VARRF, And the Volunteer Society for Cooperation with the Army, Aviation, Navy, or DOSAV is quite famous, actually, but that previous one, which I won't even try to pronounce the abbreviation of, yeah, that's a bit lesser known, however, still quite important. And, obviously, each of these individuals bring their kind of fame and kind of closeness and involvement with the state to Unatomy's reputation. Tereshkova is a former cosmonaut, the first female in space, hero of the Soviet Union, and the person who... uh, She's also in Gosduma and... Well, as I mentioned in the previous episode, one of the people who are closely tied with this defensive council of Russia, and she's also the one who initiated the whole voting process and mentioned in Gosduma that maybe Putin should have his term limit renewed as we are changing the constitution. Vostronin is a veteran and a member of Gosduma, too. And Korikina is a renowned retired Olympic gymnast. And Chiligranov is a polar explorer and a former member of the Gosduma. Do you see the pattern here? And recognized as a hero of the Russian Federation. And, you know, it was all created so that kids could easily see these figures as role models who support the ideas that Unarby you know, encourages, such as healthy lifestyle and involvement in sports. Rather than, well, just the military training that otherwise just pervades the group's activities. Their successes stem from acts of service to the Soviet Union and Russian Federation, which also can influence the young admirers from all the information they're getting. And the involvement of both of previously mentioned organizations, the uh, Triple O V A F R F and DOSOF, and uh, I'll just call them the Triple O's because it's just even an abbreviation shouldn't consist of three O's put together with various breaks in between other letters. Connected to the Ministry of Defense, the Triple O stresses the duty to revere the generation that defeated the Nazis in combat and to respect servicemen and women of all ages. The DOSAAF is a former Soviet sporting organization with militaristic focuses such as weapon training and aviation. It's over 90 years old, and the traditions of its involvement are a further testament to kind of this legitimacy that Unarmia wants to grab from the Russian government. The current chief of Unarmia's main headquarters, Roman Romanenko, fills the model of these personalities quite well. A former cosmonaut, Romanenko is also a deputy in the Russian Gosduma for uh, the party of United Russia. Um, what a surprise there. Romanenko himself began his term of service there in Gosduma in 2016 and took over the responsibility for Unarmia in mid-2018. His images are often featured in the social media accounts and he is presented as a positive role model for young members rather than as an administrator. He is often engaged in public relations and appears as a patriarch quote unquote, of the movement while representing UNARMIA and endorsing the group's cooperating organizations. And it's likely that UNARMIA reminds all the Russians of the Soviet organizations such as the Pioneers or the Komsomol and everything, but this doesn't exclude the possibility of making a fresh new impression on the young people. Nostalgia obviously plays a massive role in the recruitment as reclaiming the glory that, uh, well, a lot of Russians believe that the nation possessed during the Soviet period, and a lot of people outside of Russia believe that too. That has quite the appeal to older generations giving children permission to join. And there obviously the presence of figures such as Tereshkova and involvement of both of Dosov and Triple O reminds people that feats achieved under the USSR could and should be replicated or even surpassed. Soviet nostalgia comes to in front of the image of Tsunami's young members. While its appearance is concerned, the Ministry of Defense provides news and photos of the group members as well as a detailed visual depiction of the standard uniform, which is designed to look like casual military attire and evokes memories of the pioneers. Media presence fulfills the need to create a recognizable image for readers. Unatomia appears to be more concerned with recruitment and ideological cohesion than movements in the past, and government assistance is no small advantage. Because of its close connections with the government, Unatomia, well, enjoys access to more resources than quite a lot of its predecessors. The About the Unatomia Movement page presents a short overview of the group's purposes. Its website advertises assistance in the development and patriotic education of Russian citizens from the ages of 8 to 18, with their guardian's permission. The group's claim of rapid growth indicates that many young Russians meet the criteria for membership, and the website states that 85 regions have opened branches across the Russian Federation, and there are currently 700,000 members who've participated in approximately 10,000 events. Unarmia has updated its website in the past year to include a more detailed explanation of the development it offers to members than was originally present. The education the movement wishes to impart to these young people spans more than just patriotic subjects. Four areas in which Unarmia maintains that it will contribute to the personal development of each child in the program are spiritual moral development, social development, physical development in sports, and intellectual development. The third and fourth sections are laden with military skills and activities, as one of the purposes is giving such experiences to boys and girls and preparing young men in particular for military service. Perhaps the most notable of the four is the spiritual moral development. Unatomy expects his programs to foster in Russian children. The website claims that, quote, it will help them to achieve a valuable orientation, form a moral position, and discover the spiritual potential of one's identity. This obviously includes several aspects of that moral character that it wishes to grow including kindness, empathy, conscientiousness, honesty, loyalty, dignity, love for the motherland and culture, as well as mentioning environmentally friendly awareness and respectful familial relations in the same breath. While the features listed above from a broader interpretation of the characteristics that are helpful to Russian communities, love of country is still emphasized not as intellectual or political stance, but as a spiritual necessity. And this kind of reminds me of the sentiments that Kenneth Burke selected from Mein Kampf in uh, his seminal work. That I believe that everyone who's who has an interest in uh, political analysis of historical events, yeah, there was an essay written by him in 1939, the rhetoric of Hitler's quote battle end quote, and that was a nice analysis of Mein Kampf. And uh, there we come to the kind of sadder points of all this show. Because all the spiritual necessity, yeah, that is quite reminiscent of kind of the ideas that Burke selected from Mein Kampf to illustrate ties between religious and political loyalty arguments. Finding the spiritual potential of one's identity is also a somewhat confusing phrase when discussing national identity or politics. The revision of the Principles and Development section gives the impression that Unanimous leadership may have encountered some resistance over the rhetoric that it took too hardline an approach to Russian identity and moral standpoints. Asserting that there is a particular set of values inherent to a multi-ethnic and vi- wildly varying federation is uh, bold, but not uncommon among pro-Putin and pro-government youth groups seeking to create their own secular ideologies. Social development includes the importance of taking responsibility for one's own behavior and actions initiative independence. This self-sufficiency is described as characterizing real citizenship of one's nation, and this again brings to mind the principle of aloneness of the strong man that Berg discussed when evaluating Mein Kampf. Not only are the young recruits expected to develop their own social skills in this respect, but also to discuss the problems and development of modern Russian society. These youngsters are expected to find their confidence and the correct path by working to contribute to their community. The desire to contribute to social confidence is common among many youngster groups, but emphasis of using this skill... To be the ideal Russian citizen is what truly sets the unanimity apart. In 2019, unanimity revised this social aspect from one that focused on combating extremism in Russian society by more effectively socializing children. Its approach to extremism did not imply education on the dangers of ideological extremism seen in a variety of cultures, but teaching young members to actively oppose and work against extremism developing within Russian society towards the state's detriment. That is basically, if you see someone who supports Navalny, Punch him in the nose. It'll be good for you. And the motherland. Teaching children as young as eight about extremism and shaping their opinions and the nature of such a broad concept, well, as you can see, there's a huge potential there for um, the correct political ideologies. This is another reason why I truly, really don't trust politicians to form any youngster movements at all. Unanimous Page then discusses one of its most kind of important points of development. Physical, fitness, and sports. Although the whole movement is, well, heavily based on military training and preparation, kind of, this approach is usually framed in PR attempts as an attempt to keep young people both physically fit and socially conscious. The Unanimous website claims that sports develop physical form and excellently compensate for sitting at school desks and computers for many hours. Through participation in Unanimous competitions at sports games, members will become strong, agile, and hardy, as well as develop team spirit and skills of well-coordinated interaction with the collective. Yeah, this this collective thing, if you listen to one of my earlier episodes about the childhoodness of a union, you know that that's directly ripped off from there. Finally, Unanimity discusses the benefits of its effort toward intellectual development. Claiming to offer a variety of critical thinking skills, with a strong emphasis on claiming... The group states that membership and participation foster the ability to analyze historical processes and events, to make independent conclusions and generalizations, and to develop public speaking skills, allowing one to easily and freely communicate. Uh, Interestingly enough, this is the subheading under which Unanimity files its pro-service career path, which was previously explained in the sports section, but apparently, you know, being able to... Talk your way into the military is more important than being actually competent in the military. The whole movement thing states that it forms positive motivation for fulfillment of constitutional duty and prepares youngsters for service in the armed forces of the Russian Federation and boasts that after graduation from school, its members proceed to the country's leading military universities where they receive free higher education and social support of the Ministry of Defense. Training young people for military service in programs like this is an approach quite distinct from everyone else in the post-Soviet sphere, I must kind of, you know, out of here. And uh, yeah, uh if it doesn't raise you some questions about how uh, Russia's government wants to see their youths in the future and how they themselves plan to operate in the, you know, the following decade or two, then you probably haven't been really listening to this episode. But that's not the scary part. The scary part of all of this, and, you know, I've been uh, using Burke because, really, I've I've read that essay, and I recommend that you do, remember, the rhetoric of Hitler's battle. And the similarities just, um... shock me. They they shock me quite a lot, to be honest. And, um... And filling the role of, you know, this whole practice military organization for kids, United music Roots, yeah. They have to give an oath when they join. And, um... The text of the original Unanimity Oath has been removed from its website, but a shortened version from the Ministry of Defense's website reads, quote, I swear to strive for victories in education and sports, to lead a healthy lifestyle, to prepare myself for service and creation for the benefit of the fatherland, to honor the memory of the heroes who fought for the freedom and independence of our country, to be a patriot and a worthy citizen of Russia. And comparing versions of Unanimity's Oath from the Military of Defense's website and Unanimity's Own... The one that I just quoted clearly does not reveal the extent of devotion to the fatherland that Yunarmi actually stresses. It's really important to note here that the preparation for military service, as displayed by is presence everywhere, is a lot downplayed in the version of the oath that, that I just read to you. The main goal of this statement is personal betterment for the next generation of young Russians. Becoming a productive member of society who exhibits patriotism and a healthy lifestyle. You know, that's a, that's a goal that would undoubtedly be attractive to parents everywhere in the world. But while some of the st- sentiment remains, this iteration of the oath reduces the implication that children who join owe themselves and their service to state in some capacity. In attitude where, and I'm not talking about the nation, no, 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 this whole thing with the Ministry of Defense, it does not stress the importance of the state as opposed to your people or your nation. Then there is a difference, you know. In attitude, Unarmia aims to cement allegiance to the Russian government, not the Russian people, under the guise of, you know, your usual upright community involvement. Unarmia's full version, the oath of the young army man, encompasses a variety of points that, you know, we hadn't seen before, including loyalty to the fatherland, the brotherhood of Unarmia, and the need of following the traditions of valor, courage, and camaraderie. Removing the oath could be an attempt to further distance itself from previous groups and the implication that its intentions encompass more than personal development for each young member. And that's kind of scary. The new recruits previously vowed to be a defender of the weak, overcome all obstacles in the struggle for truth and justice, follow a healthy lifestyle, and prepare themselves for military training and service. This whole preparation for military training, you know, if you want to go to the military, and I know that a lot of my listeners, about like 40% of you, are service members, but do you really think that an 8-year-old kid really should focus all of his attention and spare time for the military and be indoctrinated, you know, in this my country, right or wrong, to the nth degree? <laughs> That's kind of like the Rosguardia video I mentioned like two weeks ago. But the guys just beating up Protesters in the background. And, you know, to just make sure that everyone gets it, I'm not against patriotism. I'm against, well, militarization of eight-year-old kids. It might sound weird, but uh, if I'd see an eight-year-old kid with a gun, I'd feel very uneasy. And I think that's just kind of the normal reaction, but, well, I'm a European, and maybe you think otherwise, but at least I really don't don't think that we should militarize 8-year-olds. They could, you know, play superheroes or whatever, and violence is, you know, in every movie ever, but still, really serious militarization, with the intent of everyone being conscripted in the army and being super happy about it, even if, you know, they might want to do something else in their life. Yeah, that's a bit uh, scary. And seeing that they have all these internal enemies and external ones to fight against, that's weird. And the militarization is... Quite serious, because, you see, in the 2019 version of Unanimous website, itself was followed by its hymn called To Serve Russia. Not in the sense of to serve man, though, but you get what I'm saying. It celebrated the defense of the fatherland and referred to the whole of Russia as an army family. I found this whole thing because, you know, they they use the song that's my theme song, you know, of uh, the army My One True Love by the Red Army Choir, which is a really cool song if you want to use it as a Soviet history podcast theme song. It's also in public domain, but it's really creepy. They imagine that you're listening to my song, and what would follow after, if you you do the Army My Love by Red Army Choir, you, you hear that it's a song sung by, well, Red Army Choir. And then if you imagine the same song with the same lyrics about how this whole army is your one true love and family, and how everyone just, you know, joins together and becomes stronger through various marches and then everything... If that's song by eight-year-old kids. Yeah, that's uh puts it all thing together in a bit different times. Unanami also has made videos to the tune of this hymn and adaptant attempted to demonstrate the glory of the scribes. It began by setting the scene with, of a wall lined with military achievements, awards, and old glorified banners, calling back the nostalgic feeling that Russia was indeed much greater in its past. While the era these awards came from was not explicitly mentioned, Russians were likely to understand this as a reference to the generation that, well, fought in World War II. Russian soldiers and citizens were bound together in the hymn to serve Russia where the new sun rises in the blue sky. The songwriter Ilya Reznik praised the participants as being destined to this fate, writing that the military way would not be easy, that they would need to meet it with courage, and that all soldiers and commanders, metaphorical or not, were connected. Language used here hints that the Kremlin, and by extension Unarmia, believes it has a threat in its immediate future. The emphasis on the difficult military road ahead seems to create a paranoia in the Observer and the Singers alike. Relationships between the people, soldiers, and officers are familiar concepts, and again, well, Burke's text about Hitler's battle where Burke highlights the necessary interactions of leaders and followers as soldiers and their commanders moving toward a common victory. And that's in the Marxist theory as well, as, well, he liked to speak about workers' armies and destruction of the family unit because, you know, that had to be replaced by the community. This whole metaphor reinforces the hierarchy of leadership that citizens must play their part to further the nation's... Vaguely defined interests and ideals, which are never outrightly stated, but if everything, if, if Putin doesn't like something, then it's against the Russian interests. What those interests are, are, well, obviously never mentioned because, you know, that would create some difficulties, you know. If people think that they are doing something and that it matters in an interesting way, they can be united against an enemy and help benefit the Russian government. Obviously, As we all know that Putin won single-handedly the World War II, according to, well, everything that he's done so far. You heavily emphasizes all the situation, and like I said, they have been posing in their army uniforms, pretending to be wounded soldiers or soldiers with machine guns or soldiers in tanks for various, uh, you know, calendars associated with important victory dates. You know, the 9th of May and all that stuff, and, and various anniversary years. And, you know, I really don't find little kids in military uniforms playing wounded soldiers on someone's calendar to be anything other than scary, and I don't find that cute either. And, yeah, throughout the oath and hymn, the is constantly alluding to some obscure force that will challenge the Russian people and necessitate bravery, camaraderie, and the protection of the weak, quote-unquote. However, they never mention what those threats may be. Yeah, they kind of leave it for the government to basically fill up who the enemy will be this weekend, and who might be the enemy at the next one. And all of this is quite scary. Now, as you can imagine, all of this situation, um, yeah, creates a bit of a mess, and lately, when all of the boon's ratings have been falling and the product activities are increasing, it doesn't really look very well to make such things for little kids, really. So, you know, as in further evidence of this, Unanimous former website included a quite a lot more detailed look at its administration. If the page was to be believed, thanks Wayback machine, the movement enjoyed a highly centralized structure for its organizational staff and planning in 2019. That year, the headquarters oversaw coordination, planning, security, and executional activities for regional offices. And it comprised five directorates that handled regional programs, logistical support, security, and event management, PR, and social programs. However, at this point... <laughs> The website has changed to simply give contact information for the HQ and list employees, whose professional descriptions range from directing heads of Unarmia to those such as Olympic champion. Now, I wonder why, because two of these guys who were in the administration previously are now arrested for corruption. Because even Unarmia, even the most patriotic organization in Russia, literally breeding a bunch of kid soldiers ready to die at any given moment, even they they're not immune from corruption so well i guess the best hope is that these kids will grow up to think for themselves and we will have to thank for that to their leadership which is more interested for basically lining their own pockets than actually you know preparing eight-year-olds for undying military service and loyalty to whatever ...government is present. Because all these things... ...taken together... ...are quite scary. Sorry that this wasn't as wholesome... ...as I promised, but... ...I'm still working on that generally wholesome episode. It's just that... ...I found all the situation... ...quite hilarious and... and analyzing this whole... ...unotomy thing... ...yeah. When the pioneers... ...proved to be a more kid-friendly organization... ...and that was in Soviet Union... ...and they trained to spot enemy tanks... That's saying quite a lot. At any rate, thank you for listening. das svidani, továrisi. And uh, if someone recruiting from your army comes your way, yeah, maybe remember that stranger danger is a thing. See you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, the Eastern Border. Lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhos in the great motherland. The eastern border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups Ugh, the joys of driving How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive That's right, the Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter.